at the UN Climate Conference COP27 in Egypt, we took a closer look at the future of our planet. How do we build, eat, cook, invest and live if we are to meet the 1.5 degree target of the Paris Agreement by 2050? What changes need to be made and how will they impact our everyday lives? Every action that limits global heating can reduce the suffering endured by people from climate impacts. Drastic emission reduction is necessary, and every fraction of a degree counts. We all know that the future starts with the decisions we make today. So that's why the Nordic countries invited to daily debates at the Nordic Pavilion at the COP27. In this special series of the Nordic Talks podcast, we invite you to listen in on how we drew up the lines of life in the world of tomorrow. I'm Andrea Molt. Welcome. How do we improve women and children's health by decreasing exposure to black carbon, reduce carbon emissions, prevent deforestation, and promote gender equality by empowering women? Multiple issues, as you can hear, but with one simple solution. It's called clean cooking. Over 4 million people, over 4 billion people globally and almost 900 million people in the sub-Saharan African countries lack access to modern cooking facilities. With me to shine light on uh, these um, problems, solutions and potential is Sophie uh, Odupoy, Group Head of uh, Public Affairs, Coco Networks, welcome. And uh, we also have uh, Ash Sharma, uh, Vice President at NEFCO and Head of Modern Cooking Facility for Africa. And uh, Matthias Frumeri, Swedish Head of Delegation to the UNFCC. Welcome, everybody. Um, I'm going to start with so you, Sophie Dupoy. Um, I would like to, to start by asking, what kind of network is the COCO Networks? Thank you so much uh, for that question. Uh, Coco Networks, we, we call ourselves uh, technology platforms uh, and our mission is to protect Africa's tropical forests. And the way we do this is we build uh, renewable fuel utilities that enable the transition from charcoal. As you said, um, a lot of people use charcoal and firewood as the option uh, for their cooking fuel. It's dirty. Unfortunately, they have no choice. So for us, what we've done is we have developed a model that enables bioethanol as the clean and renewable cooking fuel. And how do we do this? We realize it is not possible to deliver bioethanol affordably for as long as it's bottled. Uh, so it was critical to remove the additional costs along the value chain so that the people who are using charcoal and firewood are able to get it affordably. And that is where technology comes in. So for us, we bring together four main elements. We bring together technology, which is ours, infrastructure, where we've worked with people who are conversant with the logistics around liquid fuel, and predominantly these are in the fossil fuel. Uh, so we've partnered with uh, Vivo, and we make use of their existing infrastructure to transport the fuel. We then bring on board capital, and this is primarily family and um, corporate, such as Microsoft, Microsoft Climate Innovation Fund. Mm. 
And fourthly is policy. It's critical for government to be on board because we are talking about the masses. So for us, we've brought these four together and we are, we are able to deliver a tubana coca that uses bioethanol. And the mode of them refueling is we give them a reusable canister. So that way they do not have to use a disposable bottle that they, they, feel, they feel and throw away. Uh, and uh, help us understand also the, the multiple problems that is caused by the lack of modern cooking facilities in rural, rural African households. Uh, when you think about rural African households, most of them cook using firewood. Increasingly, there are fewer and fewer trees because we have cut down the trees and we have not been planting. So what is happening, they're having to go further and further away, risking their lives. And most of this is undertaken. The mothers ask the young girls to go and collect the firewood, thus exposing them to risks of sexual harassment. Um, they could be attacked along the way by animals. And essentially, it's time away from productive use of their time in addition to going to school. So the further away they go, the longer they take, the, risks, the higher the risks they face. So when we talk about a solution like ours, it would mean they stay at home. Mm. Yeah? And in cooking, they're not exposed to carbon emissions. Mm. Um, then the risks to their health are essentially taken away. So they, they, they stay at home or they get to school. Keep, and the mother, keep your mouth uh, or, or your microphone <laughs> closed. <laughs> okay. And the mother gets to have time to do productive work if it's about farming or essentially bringing additional income to the home. Thank you. Thank you, Sophie. Asharma, um, the aim of the NEFCO Managed Modern Cooking Facility of Africa program is to provide 3 million Africans uh, with the access to clean cooking solutions. How do you go about that? Mm. Um, okay, so yeah, thank you for the question. Um, we at, uh, at NEFCO, uh, we're a Nordic um, institution and uh, we've been working, uh, looking to work with clean cooking uh, for many years in the carbon market. Uh, and uh, we have done so with some, some success. But uh, we see that there is a lot more, a lot further we can go uh, on, on clean cooking. And we were very pleased when our colleagues at Sweden uh, uh, asked us to, to look at clean cooking uh, in a more holistic way. And together, together with CEDA, the Swedish uh, International Development Agency, we established the Modern Cooking Facility for Africa. And this is an instrument which is looking to support higher tier uh, access of, uh, for clean cooking. So by higher tier, I mean moving away from traditional biofuels, uh, charcoal, and other uh, polluting um, substances. Mm. And the example I'd like to give is that uh, when we talk about clean cooking, it's uh, the smoking an analogy. You know, we know that some people smoke 40 cigarettes a day. We don't want them to smoke 20. We mm. want to stop them smoking, mm. right? And uh, I think the idea here really is to have uh, an instrument which supports uh, private sector uh, businesses, um, companies like Coco uh, and others, um, which are looking to establish sustainable businesses in the clean cooking space. Mm. And that's really where we want to, to be. Mm. Matthias uh, Frumiri, you are head of uh, the Swedish delegation to the UNFCC. Uh, and you're, you're close, you're, you are as close to the negotiation as it is possible to get. So, this is what we're hearing about here is real world problems. How does that, what's going on here 
reflect what's going on around the negotiation table. Are, are you taking all this, these problems into the no negotiations? He should no, show. Uh, so. I was saying that hopefully we're not bringing sort of the problems into the negotiations, but rather the solutions, which we've just heard. And I think that, though, I mean, I'm so happy to be here a bit on behalf of CEDA colleagues who are, as Ash said, partnering with NEFCO to develop these kind of solutions. And I think the, the examples which Sophie provided is really examples which we might need to hear more of also in the negotiations themselves and see what kind of possibilities there are out there for, in order for countries to sort of to bring forward and advance in climate action. And of course, I mean, as your title for this morning's conversation is, these are multiple issues and one solution. So there's not only a climate issue here. I mean, there, as we heard, it's gender, it's health, children going to school, and eventually, you know, in the long term, that's also providing for jobs and growth in individual countries. So I think the kind of solutions which are offered by what we're hearing here is really something we need to hear more about in the negotiations as well. Ash, um, I mean, the thing here is private sector. That's a key word. Uh, so how do we support market development to scale up tech high technology, clean cooking solutions provided by private actors? How do you, how do you kind of take care of the whole value chain here? No, good question. Uh, I think that what we, what we are trying to do really is just to support companies uh, to, to de-risk their uh, market expansion. So particularly when you look at uh, companies which are successful um, at early stage, we want to help them to scale up. We want them to leverage more funding and by providing uh, results-based financing, we can actually support them in doing so. The analogy here is really like a power purchase agreement, you know, where you provide uh, a, a bankable uh, contract which will help them to raise more funding. And we want these companies to, uh, to expand and to serve, serve more uh, uh, rural uh, customers. But we also see that there are certain challenges and, and the key issue, uh, the elephant in the room with these discussions is always affordability. You know, when you work in, in rural areas, you're really working with people who have very limited incomes. They're very re reliant on agriculture. Uh, and of course, as we've seen in many, many parts of Africa, this is a... Uh, quite a, a, a perilous uh, existence sometimes, especially when you have uh, droughts, failures, other climate impacts. Uh, so uh, what we want to do is to support business models uh, which can go beyond that. So for example, consumer financing, PAYGO, which is very well established in the electricity sector, but we haven't seen transfer uh, yet into, in a, in a whole scale way into the uh, clean cooking space. Sophie, um Hearing what Ash said now, I mean, what, what do you uh, need more of, uh, so to say, to, to transform the current clean cooking ecosystem? Just repeat the question. I was wondering uh, what, what is needed to transform the current clean cooking ecosystem in your perspective? Uh, for me, the biggest game changer would be government and specifically policy. Uh, we find a lot of governments have not yet grasped what is required to transform and implement uh, clean cooking solutions. So a lot of the time they, are not, they do not provide a framework that is conducive to investors to come in and invest specifically in that um, country. So we find the fiscal and regulatory environments are still 
um, they're still supportive of old solutions and they're not cognizant of the fact that solutions are moving to different platforms like ours in terms of technology. So they do need to adapt and move very fast. So we are working closely with governments across various countries to try and get this done. Another area and that Ash alluded to is about affordability. So for us, we enable our solution to be affordable using carbon credits. Now that is an even newer area for governments. Um, the challenge with when governments hear there's an additional or a new source of revenue, the immediate reaction is to tax. Yeah? So we are finding a lot of governments ju jumping on the bandwagon and putting in place taxes on carbon, carbon revenue, which essentially limits or disables a lot of companies like ours because our business model is reliant on us retaining the carbon credits and not being heavily taxed. So it's critical for governments to come to the table, negotiate with private sector players, with investors, for us to find a win-win solution rather than for it to be immediately a win-lose for investors. Thank you. Here in the Nordics, we, we take well-functioning uh, governments uh, as uh, uh, clarity. I mean, it's, it's self-evident to us. But then I want to ask you, um, does it mean anything uh, that there is a Nordic finance institution and Sweden as well uh, doing this program? Or could it be anyone? Do we bring anything to the table except the money? Um, I think the different players bring different uh, abilities and different skills to the table. Um, so it's critical for us to be willing to listen to everyone. Um, you cannot throw anyone away because we don't know what, what they can bring to the table. If you think about like the solution that was brought by Coco Networks, it's radical, it's disruptive, it's proven to scale, but it took a lot of people supporting it was not only us providing um, the technology we did have other players coming and supporting us not only a, a lot of heavy lifting at the beginning was financial requirement just to prove the model works but since then that is why we require uh, supporters like uh, as she's saying so we need other players around the table for us to be able to scale not only within the country where we launched it but also into additional countries so we say everyone is welcome let us bring uh, whatever it is we have to the table and let us evaluate it. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Matthias, um, bad cooking facilities uh, disproportionately affects women and children uh, and Sweden has uh, for a long time now been a front runner when it comes to gender equality. Um, you are perhaps the only country that has started stated that your foreign policy is feministic. Um, to what extent do you bring this approach into the negotiations room and uh, the solutions needed for the necessary change? Is that something you think of uh, from the Swedish side? Definitely. I mean, we have sort of, I mean, at, as, and in the same way that we aim to integrate climate action throughout our policy and sort of our development finance, we integrate gender also into our climate work. So for us, definitely, it's, it's sort of, it goes hand in hand. Um, and sort of both within the, the negotiations themselves, ensuring that we have a, a strong gender perspective in the outcomes, uh, and also in the delegation to sort of to see that we have equal representation within the delegation. 
Uh, and for example, when we participate in various types of panels and so forth to ensure that there is a sort of an, an equal representation. So definitely there is a, a very strong uh, gender perspective also when it comes to, to climate action. And could I maybe just pick up on one of the points which, uh, which Sophie made as well on, in, in terms of the importance of policy? Uh, and I'm, I'm very happy that that came up because from, from our perspective, just looking at how we frame or what we call our climate diplomacy when we engage with countries in supporting them in to, to be become sort of even more ambitious. I mean, it's policy is a key element in that. So it's for us, it's policy, finance and innovative technology. And by sort of combining these three elements, we believe that countries are being sort of enabled and empowered to be even more ambitious when it comes to climate action. So securing the right kind of policy environment, which in turn will hopefully then attract the kind of investments needed, both domestic and international. And then of course also providing the kind of innovative solutions which are needed. I mean, we have also the Business Sweden Pavilion here with a number of Swedish companies offering these kind of solutions to facilitate uh, the transition to net zero. So I think that's sort of just wanted to underline also the policy element in, uh, in the, in the um, transition to net zero. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, Ash, um, Modern Cooking Facility for Africa is a relatively new program uh, that has recently started, but um, uh, some days ago you told me that um, this topic would be even more exciting to talk about at COP28 in Dubai. Why is that? <laughs> well, I think, I think that the, um, I, as, as Sophie mentioned, um, you know, carbon finance can play a real, uh, very strong role in, the, um, in the, the business models that companies employ because the, uh, the cleaner cooking solutions, particularly the higher end ones, generate a lot of carbon savings compared to the baseline. And when we look at the deforestation aspects as well, and then all the other aspects that are related to that, for example, biodiversity loss and so forth, we can see that there are a lot of sustainable uh, development benefits that uh, uh, can accrue from this. But foremost of those is the, is the emission reduction. Given that we're in a climate uh, uh, conference, I think that's very key uh, to, to consider. And the reason why I mention that in my own uh, humble opinion, is that uh, I feel that uh, uh, particularly with the Article 6, it's, it's moving, things are really progressing, but I think a whole-scale market, the sort of 6.4 market, is a, is a couple of years down the road. And I think where we would like to see progress, really, of course, we, it's got to run in, in two tracks. We'd love to see progress on 6.2, so the bilateral agreements. And again, Sweden is, is leading the pack here. Uh, we see that there are some very very interesting programs that are, are being initiated. I think we'll hear more about those at this, at this COP. Uh, and uh, for that reason, I feel that the, uh, the global carbon market, the 6.4 uh, market, is maybe a few years down the road. But things are progressing well. So promise me some numbers next year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The numbers I, I, I promised relate to uh, the, the, the projects where or the, the businesses we're supporting. So this year we've been very active in uh, uh, originating and developing contacts with companies um, and I hope that this time next year we can talk about some of the um, people that we're, we're supporting uh, as well as the companies. So the companies will be reaching out to beneficiaries in 
six African mm. countries, mm. and we hope we can talk about some uh, real outcomes next mm. this time next year. Sophie, uh, I know you have to leave. Uh, you're looking at your watch, uh, but l let me just uh, round this off with, with a statement from you because I, I was wondering, where, where do you see this program going uh, in the coming years? Uh, thank you for that question. We've identified that the countries that face the problem of deforestation um, at a very high level, we've determined that there are 60 of them. So essentially uh, across those 60 countries, we have 300 million households that are in need of a clean and renewable solution. Our ambition is to roll out. Next year, we are rolling out to our second country, which is Rwanda. And part of the reason we are around is to engage with governments as I said, it's critical for us to align with them in terms of their policy and for us to then sign an investment agreement. So our approach is to engage as many governments that are in need of this solution as possible so that we can already start thinking about how do we invest, how do we roll it out, how do we bring on board other partners? Because I've repeatedly said this, uh, 2030 is not very far. The earth has stopped waiting for us. It, it's gone far ahead. So unless we accelerate our efforts, the earth will find us still waiting, still talking, still discussing about the best solution. So for us, we are seeking to partner and accelerate in as many countries as are willing to come on board. Thank you. Thank you, Sophie Depoy. And uh, thank you, Matthias uh, Frumiri and Ash Sharma. Uh, our time is up, uh, but stay tuned. There will be more exciting events uh, coming up uh, the rest of the day here at the Nordic Pavilion. Thank you, everybody, and give him a hand.